Good morning, everyone. Our scripture lesson for this morning is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15, and then chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of the Memar, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up, and then he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. <clears throat> Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. And so they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran out to the herd and took a calf, a tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old, and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he <coughs> was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Oz, Isaac, was born to him. And now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, we confess that our lives feel closed and hemmed in by the world around us, by current events and the events within our lives. We pray, O Lord, that you break through, bring us newness, bring us laughter, bring us joy through the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're continuing with our short stint through a few foundational stories in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And today's story begins in chapter 18. Here we have three angels in the guise of weary travelers. They come seeking the hospitality of Abraham and Sarah, two very old people. And when these angels come in disguise, arrive at their campsite, Abraham and Sarah show the most incredible hospitality. They give them water to drink and a shady place to rest and cakes of their finest flour. And to cap it all off, for the main, they butcher their finest calf. It's not really vegetarian-friendly, vegan-friendly, but it's the best they've got. And they do all of this without the faintest clue as to who these holy guests are actually are. This story is part of the core curriculum of teaching Christian hospitality to the stranger. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament interprets this passage as saying that in welcoming the stranger, we may be entertaining angels unawares. Treat a stranger well, the teaching goes, because for all you know, this person could be God in disguise. And so Abraham and Sarah, they pass the test. The test they don't pass, however, is in how they receive the news that these angels come to deliver. How Sarah receives the news specifically. Abraham and the guests are just hanging out, sharing this succulent veal under a shady tree. And together, the guests ask him where his wife Sarah is. And so Abraham, he points, he's over there, over in the tent. Little do they know, though, that past his finger, Sarah has her ear shoved up against the canvas. She's eavesdropping on their conversation. And this is where one of the guests shares a startling revelation. I will surely return to you in due season, he says. I will return to you, and your wife Sarah will have a son. By the time I head back here in nine months, he says, y'all are going to be proud parents of a newly delivered baby boy. Now, you'll remember, though, that Abraham and Sarah are old people, like really old people in their 90s. In fact, and hey, there's nothing wrong with being really old. But God promised that her and Abraham would have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. And so far, no luck. Now, Sarah's half a century or so late on the biological clock, so as she overhears the angel's familial forecast, she does exactly what you or I might do in the same circumstances. 
she laughs. She has herself a little inward chuckle. He's old, I'm old, we're both worn out physically and spiritually, and here this guy wants to put us to put on our party hats and start planning for a baby shower. Ha ha, very funny. Even funnier though, in my mind, is how God's suddenly there in the next sentence talking away. Before it was three travelers and now it's God speaking and Sarah's laughing suddenly ceases and God's like, why'd Sarah laugh? And Sarah's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't laugh, nuh-uh. I mean, the last thing you want to do is laugh at God, but God's like, yeah, you did. And I know it, being God and all. I know it sounds crazy, God says. But is anything too crazy? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? This time next year, I'll be back, and Sarah's going to have that baby. It takes a few chapters, but that's exactly what happens. Nine months later, little baby boy, right around the time of Abraham's 100th birthday. What a 100th birthday gift. And there's more laughter, but it's a different kind of laughter this time around. They decide to name the baby Isaac, which in Hebrew means laughter itself. God has brought laughter for me, she says. God's brought me laughter, and everybody who hears will laugh with me. Whoever would have thought that a woman in her 90s would ever need an appointment with a lactation consultant? Might as well name the baby he-he-ha-ha, ha, because when anybody else hears this story, that's exactly what they're going to do, because it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But nothing's too wonderful for the Lord, apparently. Now our first reaction in hearing the story is probably like Sarah's. <sniffs> yeah, right. Like that could happen. It's as hard to believe in nonagenarian pregnancies now as it was apparently back then. Can stuff like that really happen? Mm, maybe it could. I mean, strange stuff happens all the time. Life's far more mysterious than modernity would have us believe. So I like to keep an open mind. But the issue at the heart of this story is not so much the miracle itself. No, there's something more. There's something deeper at stake. It's more about what the miracle represents, what it actually points to. You see, for Abraham and Sarah, this baby doesn't represent a childhood dream of parenthood. It doesn't represent the innate need for a species to reproduce. Rather, for ancient people like them, children not only represent a legacy, they're the only way your life could extend past the present one. Children are the closest you can get to immortality. Children are literally their future. God promised them that they'd one day have more babies than the stars of heaven. But here they are in their 90s. No kids, no legacy, no future. The first time, she laughs at God for suggesting such a ridiculous thing. The second time, she laughs at herself and her own cynicism. 
Sarah laughs the first time because the angel prophesies a future when all evidence suggests that their lives are at a dead end. She laughs the second time, though, out of pure joy. That the future she thought was impossible is somehow now a reality. She'd given up, but it comes to her anyway as an absurd gift of grace. So the issue here is not the proposition that 90-year-old women can get pregnant necessarily or that your grandma better make room in her pension budget for diapers. What this text is doing is delivering us good news, getting back to one of the basic messages of Christianity. Like Abraham and Sarah, we see the world in a certain way, as fixed, as determined, predetermined, as a rigged game. No room for the miraculous, no room for newness. In our personal lives, we're confined by past mistakes. We're imprisoned by our inability to forgive others or to receive forgiveness ourselves. Bad childhoods, failed marriages, depression, anxiety, addictions to drugs, sex, money, stuff, and so, so much more. And in our world, we've not only got a pandemic that we just want out of, we're burdened by massive inequalities and by the ever-lingering sinful power of racism and the prospect of environmental catastrophe, all seemingly insurmountable obstacles. Our future prospects can seem so impossibly grim that sometimes, like Sarah, we just got a laugh to keep from crying. But this text, along with the broader witness of the Bible, tradition, and our own experience, tells us that the universe is neither closed nor as fixed as we always imagined. In fact, the cross, the core symbol of our faith, is a testimony to God's power to bring a future when the present doesn't got a chance. That in weakness, there is strength. That in loss, there is gain. And that in death, there is resurrection. For every worn down Sarah who's given up and given in, there's an Isaac waiting to be born. There's joy, there's laughter, and it's right on the way. So take this good news to heart. When our lives hit a wall, when your life is at the end of its rope, when our world looks like it's worked its way into a dead end, the good news is that God makes a way out of no way. God brings a future. Meaning we don't have to give up. It means we don't have to give in to the way things are. Instead of snickering cynically at the prospect of changed lives and a better world, we can laugh it up like fools who've been let in on some great divine joke that not only is there a God, but that there is a God who is faithful to the point of absurdity. And because of who God is, it means the future that you'd already given up on, the one you think is impossible, wrote off as ridiculous, it's already in 
utero. It's in the womb already on the way, just waiting to be born. So friends, if you're going to laugh, you might as well laugh for joy. For there is nothing too good or too beautiful. There is nothing too wonderful for the Lord. Amen. Give to us laughter. Give to us laughter, O source of our life. Laughter can banish so much of our strife. Laughter and love give us wholeness and Joys of your